Welcome to the Ginghamsburg Podcast. After today's message, take a second to download the Ginghamsburg app. It's the best way to find out about and engage with what's happening at Ginghamsburg. We hope the following message helps you activate your faith and take the next step in your journey with Jesus. Hi again. Good to see you. Hi. Uh, how many of you like flying? Do you like flying? Like not the superhero kind, because very few of you have that power. Uh, like in a plane, you, you, you like to fly? Yeah, big fan of flying, like traveling places. And uh, ever since the first time I flew, uh, which was in college, uh, flying's never really been an issue for me. I remember getting on my first plane and just opening up the newspaper. I'm like, this is, this is not a problem. Some pe- it freaks some people out. It doesn't, it doesn't bother me. There is one situation that's a bit of an issue for me, and that's uh, turbulence. I'm not a super big fan of that. Uh, when, when, let, me, let me clarify that. When the skies are clear, when there's blue skies outside and you experience a little turbulence, it's, it's not a big deal because you can look out the window and you're like, I'm not going to hit a mountain. It's fine. Everything is fine. It's when it's really cloudy and you can't see past the windows and you feel that bump and, and you wonder, is that the last bump I'm ever going to feel? That's what freaks me out uh, just a little bit. And I apologize for ruining your next flight. My bad. <laughs> Anyone else not a fan of turbulence? Anyway, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was a very emphatic hand raise, sir. Um, yeah, uh, how about life turbulence? I mean, life can be pretty hard, right? And there's a lot of uncertainty that comes with life. We face the clouds of confusion around um, our relationships and around our jobs, uh, around our health. For those of you who are in the graduation season, just about the future in general? And how in the world can we gain confidence and clarity when there's so much uncertainty, so many clouds swirling around us? Our our scripture passage for today might not seem at first glance to to speak into this question about us gaining clarity in the midst of confusion. I've I've read through the Bible uh, front to back uh, several times now, and in my Bible there are several passages that have question marks and exclamation points beside them. These are passages that that I get to and I'm just like, what? Like, what is that about? Or that I find alarming or that I want to come back to later. And the passage we're going to look at is one of those passages. Boy, is it one of those passages. Uh, If you have your Bibles or your Bible apps, turn or click through to the book of uh, 2 Kings chapter 2. Uh, 2 Kings can be found about a third of the way through your Bible if you're new to the Bible. It's, um, It's right after 1 Kings. It's helpful. And a unique numbering style in Old Testament days. Anyway, a little character background before we dive in. The great prophet Elijah has passed his, his mantle on to his young successor, Elisha. Now, a mantle was a, a garment of clothing, kind of like a cloak. And anyone who wore it, uh, that symbolized that they were a spokesperson for God. So anyone who would have looked at Elisha from this point forward would have known that he held a special role to speak on behalf of God. Now, it didn't take Elisha long to to recognize, or for anybody watching his life to recognize, that God was working through him. 
Because immediately upon leaving where Elijah was lifted up into heaven, he took the cloak and he struck the Jordan River and it, it split in two so he could walk through, much like Moses did so that Israelites could escape from slavery in Egypt. You know, you've seen, you've seen the movie. And uh, then after that, he went to Jericho where the water was, was poisoned. Uh, women were uh, miscarrying their children when they would drink the water. He touched the water with the cloak and it was made pure again. So all of a sudden, from the get-go, it's clear between the mantle and the miracles that Elisha is being used by God as a miracle worker and a mouthpiece. Now, in verse 23 to 25 is when things get wacky. Watch. Elisha went up uh, from there to Bethel. As he was going up the road, some young people came out of the city. They mocked him, get going, baldy, get going, baldy. Turning around, Elisha looked at them and cursed them in the Lord's name. Then two bears came out of the woods and mangled 42 of the youths. From there, Elisha went to Mount Carmel and then back to Samaria. <sighs> yeah. Now, I, off, I, I don't think it's an accident that Pastor Rachel had me preach the passage of a guy getting mocked for being bald. I don't... She's not in the room, but real cool, Billups. Anyway, um, <laughs> my personal feelings aside, well, they're inside here. But anyway, um, we look at this passage and we go, what the honk is going on here? Like, seriously? This guy who is follically impaired gets teased by a bunch of kids, and he's supposed to speak on behalf of God, and he calls some bears out of the woods to maul them? Like, this is grumpy old man, get off my lawn vibes, just running all through it. This is ridiculous. And so I get to this passage in my Bible, and there are all sorts of question marks and exclamation points next to it. And it occurs to me that, that this confusing scenario that's described here happens in our lives as well. Like, not the bear mauling part. That's probably happened to very few of you. But if we were to uh, put your life into print, where would the question marks and exclamation points be? We all have them. Those areas in our lives that just don't seem to make any sense. Maybe it was a long and what you thought was a, a relatively happy marriage. And then all of a sudden, you found out that your spouse wanted out. Question marks and exclamation points. Or you've never had any mental health issues. But these last few years, man, they've hit hard. And all of a sudden, you or someone close to you is struggling. Question marks, exclamation points. We've got those. You've never had to say a final goodbye to someone that you loved. But that's changed now. Question marks and exclamation points. And those of you who find yourself in the graduation season in the future might look like a lot of question marks and exclamation points for you. Uh, up till now, things have been laid out pretty pretty well for you. You knew what to expect. You knew what part you played, but now things are super murky. Like you might know what next week brings. You might know what this summer brings, but beyond that, 
It's a little cloudy. You've got exclamation points. You've got question marks. Who will I be? What will I be doing for the rest of my life? If you're going to college, is the thing that I'm going to study the thing that's going to take me through the rest of my life? Or will I be one of the 80% of college students who change their major sometime during their college career? And I apologize for just freaking the two of you out. My bad. All right. But turning a page in our lives can be intimidating. Sometimes the clouds are all we can see. And we don't know what that next chapter is going to bring or, or how to make sense of that. And that's the same feeling that we get from the story of Elisha. How do we deal with this story? I mean, we have a couple of different options. One, we can, we can kind of skim past it. Like, that doesn't sound like the God that I worship, so I'm just going to pretend like that doesn't exist. And let's make sure we don't read 2 Kings again. That's freaky. Or we can, we can write God off. If, if this is who God is, I don't know if I want a part of that God. Or we can do the hard work of digging. Really mine for what's going on in the story. So for the sake of clarity, let's take a deeper look at Elisha's story and see if there's something deeper going on than, than what was there at first glance, this seemingly horrifying story. First of all, Bethel was a location that held special significance in Israel's history, but most recently had become a place, a central location for idol worship, particularly the idol Baal, who we talked about a few weeks ago. Now remember, God had chosen this Israelite group to be just that, God's chosen people. But not because God wanted to limit God's love and protection and favor to this one people group, but rather because God wanted to spread that to the entire world, and this was the channel through whom God was going to do it. And we read that way back when Abraham, the, the father of this great nation, was called. We read, the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a what? Blessing, right. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be what? Blessed through you. And ultimately, we know now later that this would happen many years later through Jesus. But until this time, this group of people would operate under this thing called the law. And one of the most threatening things to this, this ultimate blessing of God in the world would be them getting involved in idol worship. God knew if they started diverting their worship and attention and affection to anyone or anything other than God, it's going to mess everything up. And so idol worship was taken very seriously by God. As a matter of fact, the first two of the Big Ten Commandments are don't worship other gods and don't worship any graven images. This was taken very seriously because they were a threat to God's plan for blessing the entire world. So Elisha's wandering into this territory where this kind of blatant disregard for God's plan is on full display. Okay, so that... So this town is known for idol worship. 
fine. But still, a bunch of kids make fun of him, and he calls a bunch of bears out to maul them. I've been working with young people for a long time. And if this had happened, every time I'd been made fun of or teased, I would have been witness to lots of bear maulings, including my own children. (laughs) So let's dig further. We read that those who were picking on Elijah were youth or young people. Other translations read young boys or young children. Elijah, dude, seriously? They don't know any better. But the word used for youth or young boys here is the same word that is used elsewhere in the Bible to describe Solomon when he was 20 years old and Joseph when he was 39 likely older than Elisha was at this time. And the context would suggest that these were not just random kids looking to to make fun of someone, but that they were actually involved in the shrine dedicated to the idol Baal, blatantly disrespecting and disobeying God's law. These were not just random kids. These were likely adults who were actively threatening the purposes of God in the world. But still, fits. It's pretty harsh. It's pretty harsh. Bears coming out of the woods to maul a few dozen of them? Really? It's tough to reconcile this this seemingly rash act of the so-called man of God with what we know about God, that God is love. But yet a deeper study reveals that this was not an impulsive punishment doled out by Elisha, but that Elisha was acting within his divine role as spokesperson for God. In the book of Deuteronomy, we read about the second giving of the law, and part of this is a series of curses that ministers were instructed to call down upon the disobedient, including this one. Cursed is anyone who makes an idol or an image. This is what the prophet was supposed to do. It was within their job description. But here's the thing. We don't read about any sort of causal relationship, an if-then relationship. We don't read that when you do this, bears will maul them. We don't read that anywhere. We don't read any sort of cause. This was simply within their job description. It's not about inflicting punishment. That's not what Elisha was doing here. Elisha was simply acting within his job description. One commentator wrote that the mauling of the youthful mob is not vindictive anger on behalf of Elisha. It's not him just being ticked, but divine judgment for culpable denial of the divine purpose. It's not about Elisha having an itchy trigger figure when getting picked on. This was about God preserving God's people so that the world could be blessed. But the law that they were operating under was limited in its scope. It was limited in its power. It could not ultimately bless the world in the way that God wanted to. That's why Jesus had to come. That's why Jesus had to come to show us what love and a godly life looks like. 
That's why Jesus had to come to reconcile humans back to God to do what he had to do so that we could know God and be brought back into a right relationship with the God who desires to have that relationship with us. And and Paul knew about the limitations of the law when he wrote his letter to the Romans. God has done what was impossible for the law since it was weak because of selfishness. See, the driving force in all of this was the love of God. This has never and will never change. God's defining attribute, not his only attribute, is love. And through all of this, God was operating with that end in mind. A love that would ultimately allow us to be brought back into a relationship with God. That was the end goal in God's mind. Now, at this point, you may be thinking, that's cool, Fitz. Um, I feel like I understand this passage a little bit better. This is uh, really good information, great bears, ball guy, whatever. But what about me? I still have question marks. I still have exclamation points. What about my marriage? What about my mental health? What about the fact that I'm still trying to figure out what I'm going to do for the rest of my life? What is my next step? Stick with me here. We're getting there. When we first approached this passage of Scripture, it seemed way out there. Am I right? I'll take that as a yes. Okay, good. Like, we have no idea what to do with this passage or this story. But what did we do? We kept digging. We read it over and over and over again. We looked for context clues. We looked for historical clues. We studied all the nooks and crannies within the passage. We explored what other really smart people had to say about it. We connected dots that we had no idea were even there to begin with. And we came out on the other side with a better understanding of the passage. Is it crystal clear? Nope. It's not. Is it more clear than when we started? Yeah. Some of the clouds have burned away, and if we were to dig further and further and further, more and more of the clouds would burn away. And that's how you and I have to approach the question marks and exclamation points in our lives. We keep digging to gain greater understanding. The answers may not seem super obvious. Looking at the questions, the clouds might seem really thick. So we keep digging. What does that look like? Well, a couple weeks ago, Pastor Rachel talked about listening to the Holy Spirit. Uh, The third person of the Trinity is described in many ways in Scripture, not the least of which is parakletos. And it's a Greek word which uh, can be translated as counselor or helper or guide. And in John chapter 14, Jesus was reassuring his disciples because he just told them, hey guys, I'm going to die. I know it's distressing to you. But he's reassuring his disciples by telling them that he's going to send the Holy Spirit to be with them. And he says, the companion, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I told you. 
Jesus knew that this human life was going to be hard and full of questions. Jesus also knew that God did not want us to go it alone. So God promised constant presence and constant guidance every step of the way. And that's why we talked about a couple weeks ago having a pace and a place and a posture so that we could hear from the Holy Spirit. But sometimes it's still really cloudy, isn't it? Is that God speaking to me? Or is that just what I want? Is God telling me to quit my job? Or are my coworkers just a bunch of jerk faces? Is that what God really wants me to do with my life? Or is that just what my parents did and so it makes sense to do that? Now, how do we know when God is speaking? couple of suggestions. First off, I think we need to balance what we're hearing with Scripture, the written record of how God has interacted with humans throughout history. So when you hear what you feel like is the Holy Spirit telling you to do something, balance it with what you know about God. God can't got, contradict God's character. God's direction can't contradict God's character. So if you feel like you're hearing something that contradicts with God's nature and character, I'd suggest that you probably need to listen harder. And let's take that digging one step further. Let's dig further by balancing what you're hearing with the life of Jesus. As John writes at the beginning of his gospel account, Jesus is God made flesh, the perfect representation of God in the world, of God's character and nature and values in the world because, well, he was God. He is God. If what you're hearing is not in line with the life and teachings of Jesus, then we need to keep digging because it's not the Holy Spirit speaking. But the digging thus far might have uncovered questions like, what am I going to do with my life now that I've graduated high school? I'd suggest another level is that guidance, life guidance, is often found in community. And the next level of digging involves one another. This life is too hard and too uncertain to journey alone. So we need others around us supporting us and helping us to make the best decisions. When I was considering going to seminary to, to go into ministry, uh, which I knew was just like a terrible idea, uh, because I knew I'd I'm going to be terrible at that. Let's not do that. Um, I had trusted people in my life who spoke truth into my life and could see things that I couldn't see. Trusted friends, trusted advisors. Who are you surrounded with? Who have you surrounded your life with? Do you have trusted friends who can speak truth into your life? But not just trusted friends, trusted advisors, people who have, who have journeyed the journey longer than you have, who have been listening to the Holy Spirit longer than you have, who know you really well, maybe may better than you know yourself. In the book of Proverbs, we read that plans fail with no counsel, but with many counselors, they succeed. And we all want to succeed whatever success looks like. So make sure that you are part of a group, part of a tribe, People who can guide you, who can direct you, who can give you wisdom 
and guidance as you figure out what your next steps are. Now, friends, there, there, is no, there is no magic formula to make all of the clouds, all of the question marks, all the exclamation points disappear. If there were, I'd, I'd write a book, I'd retire, I'd move to Ireland. But it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. But a healthy mix of scripture, trusted friends and advisors, and space to let the Holy Spirit speak into our lives is a good mixture to help us figure out what the next right step is. Actor, writer, producer, director, uh, Tyler Perry recently received an award, and during his acceptance speech, he shared a story about how he was um, receiving some really high water bills. And he was getting really fed up with, with paying these water bills. And so he called an engineer and told him, hey, I want to build a well on my property. So the engineer came and he said, hey, I want you to dig here. And they, they dug and no water. So they picked another spot and, okay, dig here. And they dug and no water. After a few frustrating attempts, he's like, this is dumb we're getting nowhere. I'm wasting a bunch of money and time. Forget it. And so he stopped the process. Well, a couple months later, after paying the really high water bills again, he's like, we're going to try it again. Calls the engineer, brings him onto his property. He says, I want you to dig right here and do not stop until you get to water. So the engineer starts digging, gets 800 feet down. No water. Tyler Perry looks at him and says, you keep digging to get more than 1,000 feet down. No water. He says, you keep digging. Well, the guy says, we need a break for the day. We'll be back in the morning. He says, fine. So they leave. And that night, Tyler Perry has yet another change of heart. <laughs> He's like, this is dumb. I, I'm going to tell him in the morning to stop digging. This isn't working. So the next morning, the guy shows up, he gets the equipment fired up, Tyler Perry sees him, starts heading down the hill to tell him to just stop and, and, and leave. But before he gets to him, what happened? They hit water. They hit water. Here's the thing. The night before, they were four inches from the water they wanted. They were four inches from the water that Tyler Perry needed. If he had gotten to him any sooner, he would have missed out. Here's what he has to say about this. In this world, we're all digging wells. In our lives, we're digging wells. We're digging wells in relationships where we put all this time and effort and energy, and sometimes it doesn't give us what we need. We put all our time and effort and energy and dreams and business, and it doesn't give us what we're after. But if you just keep digging... My God, if you could hear me, just keep digging. You may be four inches from every gift and blessing you ever wanted in your life. Friends, I don't know what the question marks and exclamation points are in your life. They may be at ground level or they may be a thousand feet deep. I don't know what you're wrestling with, but let me encourage you, just keep digging. Don't quit. 
Don't quit on God simply because the answer is not obvious to you right now. You have question marks? Keep digging. You have exclamation points? Keep digging. The clouds are really thick in your life. Please just keep digging. Put in the time and the effort to listen to the Holy Spirit. Put in the energy to dig into Scripture. Put in the effort to invest in life with trusted friends and trusted advisors. God wants you to experience clarity in the midst of your confusion. And you know what? (laughs) You may be four inches. You may be four inches away from the clarity you are seeking in your life. So please, don't stop. Just keep digging. Let's pray. God, we have so many question marks. We have so many exclamation points. We don't, ah, life is really cloudy. And you don't want that for our lives. Otherwise, you would have put us on this rock, put us in motion, and let us go on our own. But you, you promise your Holy Spirit to be with us. You promise guidance. You promise direction. And thank you. But sometimes it's really hard to hear that. It's really hard to make sense of what you're trying to say. So bring other people around us. Help us to dive into Scripture because we want to know next steps. And we recognize, God, that you are not going to lay out everything right now for us. But help us to lean on you. Help us to lean on you and trust you to guide us so we know what our next right step is. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope you enjoyed today's message. I've got two invitations for you before you go. First, subscribe to our podcast so it shows up in your feed every week. And if today's message inspired you and you'd like more people to hear it, you can give a financial gift through the Ginghamsburg app or online at ginghamsburg.org.